Praise the name of the Lord. As we were singing a song, did you, did you even consider that the privilege that we have to be in the presence of a holy, righteous God? I know when I considered it, I felt about this tall. We can never take for granted for the privilege that we have to be in the presence of the God, to be able to experience His presence in a remarkable way, in a transforming way. God has a plan for tonight. He's orchestrated this night. And you're here and you're a part of it. So we're going to go into the word of the Lord tonight. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that this is an opportune time for this body. We count the privilege, God, that we have to be in your presence so freely and so assuredly. We're thankful for your many blessings, God. We're thankful for your hand of protection. We're thankful for the resources, but mostly we're thankful for the source. And God, we thank you for your presence tonight, dear God, Lord. I ask for your anointing to be upon this hour. And God, I ask that you would find a way to use me, God, Lord, to deliver your heart to your people. In Christ's name we pray, and everybody says, amen. I'm going to do the decoration tonight, but I probably will do it at the end. Right now, I'm moving to the word of the Lord. I'm going to begin in Scripture. I've got three passages of Scripture I want to read to you. Beginning, first one beginning in the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 23. If you'd stand for the reading of the word, please. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Deny himself is also interpreted as to die to self. Then in Galatians 5 and 24, he says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Then followed by Matthew 16, 25, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. Church, we're at a place in our world that we're in need of revival. And revival is a good thing. It'd be a good thing for the church. It'd be a good thing for the land. And what did the Lord tell us? He said that I will not withhold any good thing from you. So surely no one's saying that God is withholding revival from us because we can look around the world and even in our nation and see pockets where revival is breaking loose in some of the toughest cities in our nation you can look in portland where they're literally burning down the city but revival's there you can look in california they're having revival on the beaches they said they can't be in the churches so they're having it on the beaches you can look in minnesota and they're having revival 
in a very dark place. Why? Because they're desperate. And I've been preaching about how that we're going to have to get to that place of desperation for us to be broken to the place that we can find out how to have revival. And I've been preaching how it's going to happen right in the middle of chaos. With all this going around, we're going to have revival that is coming. And I've come to reveal tonight, though, what is hindering revival in a lot of places. And it's this thing called flesh. Until we deny ourselves, until we die out to ourselves, I've been to China, and you've heard me testify of the greatest experience I've ever had in the Spirit of the Lord. But I want to tell you something. Over there, the true Christians don't have a problem with self. They have no possession. They'd be willing to sell their possessions if need be. They've been persecuted. But not only are they willing to die out to self, they're even willing to die themselves for the cause of Christ. And until we come to the place that we deal with our flesh and we get our flesh out of the way, if we're ever going to see revival, it's going to require Christians to die out to self. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. It's the key to God being able to release his anointing. We've got to get our flesh out of the way so that we can draw nigh to God and God can draw nigh to us. We're currently living in one of the most self-centered eras of human life in this nation. Self-promoting, self-indulging, self-gratifying, self-supporting, plain out selfishness. It's all about me, 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 me. And as a nation, we had just reached a pinnacle of historic prosperity. We have prospered and we've been spoiled unlike any other nation. Yet we've evolved into an entitlement society that screams, me, 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 give it to me. And everybody's got an agenda, desires a platform that gives them an opportunity to promote one's opinions and likes and dislikes of oneself. It's a what's in it for me generation. It's a victim mentality where everyone's entitled to concern for themselves and not for others. It's a, if it's not about me, then don't include me, society. And this message tonight is going to mess some folks up tonight. It's going to disturb some spirits. It's going to be an enemy to pride and self-promotion. And it's going to denounce lust and greed and narcissism. But if anybody will listen, it's going to set somebody free. Because it can open up doors and opportunities for the righteous. It can unlock revival. And it can cause a spiritual explosion that will release an apostolic anointing that will favor God's people. You see, we're living in an hour that God's wanting to raise his people up. He's wanting to take them to a new level, not for self-gain, but for the kingdom purpose. God wants to exalt his people. He's going to humble the exalted, and boy, are we seeing that. But as well, he's going to place his mantle on the humble, on those who seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Those that are willing to die out to self will be the ones he's going to exalt. He humbles the exalted, but he exalts the humble. When God is about to bring it about, when he starts to take you to another level in your life, get ready. The pressure for you to change changes. Something about the intensity in your life increases. What you do and how you act and how you handle life itself begins to be examined by the Spirit. 
It's like a spiritual vetting takes place. The condition of your heart is examined. Your commitment to the kingdom is questioned to see if you're ready to be promoted. And if you're not ready, you're going to be challenged to change before God's able to promote you. You're going to have to decrease so that God can increase in you. Do you all know what I'm saying yet? Until you realize God chose you to use you and didn't choose you for you, but for him, until then you're going to remain where you've always been. Some folks know what I'm talking about. You're ready to move forward and deeper, and God is dealing with you. You done told God, lead me, Lord, and I will follow. You ain't going to let no grass grow under your feet. Yet some of you are wondering, what's all this pressure that I'm feeling? It's like I'm losing interest in this, and I'm losing interest in that, and I don't want to go there no more, and I don't want to do that thing no more, and my spirit is craving more of you. You can feel the spirit of the Lord tugging on you. All we ever hear anymore, no one wants to serve God. No one wants to make a commitment. That ain't true. There is a chosen group of men and women who are waiting on their marching papers. There's a remnant that hasn't quit, that hasn't given up. Matter of fact, it's a group that God is raising up. And I want to tell you something. They're young and they're old and they're black and they're white and they're rich and they're poor who want more. It's those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God's doing a new thing. While some folks are still chewing on all the old things and they're reminiscing and they're wishing about things that have lost their savor and they aren't satisfied anymore. But this new thing is going to bring about a new level of the manifestation and the demonstration of God's power in this hour. And it will be different. It will be unusual. It will make the enemy even delusional. And it will prevail against the gates of hell. Come on, somebody. Do you want to be a part of a genuine move of the Lord? Hallelujah. Then we got some work to do. Listen tonight to God speak to you. If you're one of them that God is saying to you, it's time to step into another realm with the Lord, and God has been tugging and pulling at you, then I really want you to listen up tonight. Because after tonight, you're not going to continue to be a shallow, weak, double-minded Christian. I'm on an assignment to recruit you into an army that's rising up to break every chain. And you can't be a chain breaker if you can't even break a bad habit. Come on, somebody. Help me preach. I ain't playing no church tonight. See, when you're looking for chain for an impartation in your spirit, you must become in high pursuit of everything that God has and be willing to do whatever it takes and declare, here I am, O Lord, send me. Hallelujah. This word is for those who want more than just a jump and a shout. There's a lot of things God's wanting to do, but we got too many people letting you stand in the way of you. Got your agenda for God's agenda. Got your plans for God's plans. There's been folks dealing with this flesh all afternoon. Well, we got church tonight. Well, I don't know if I really feel like going to church. Well, I really was going to go do this today. Well, maybe, I, maybe we just won't go now. And some of you push past it and you overcome your flesh, but there's some people that ain't here tonight. They didn't make it. Because the flesh gets in the way. Hallelujah. You're going to have to learn how to die, how to die out to yourself and realize it ain't good for it to always be about you. See, to die to self is to set aside what we want at this moment, making it where it's not all about you and focus on what really matters in life and on a loving God with everything we got and valuing others as highly as we value ourselves. 
In Romans 12 and 10, it says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. This moves us away from self-centeredness and closer to becoming open-hearted followers of Christ who care deeply about others. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. As a songwriter penned, there's never been a truer lyric. It's much easier to pay attention to the concerns and interests and needs of people when our own interests no longer consume us. Jesus described the dying to self process as a part of following him. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In dying to self, we find genuine life by depending on God who provides much more than we can imagine. And Jesus taught in John 12 and 24, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Part of the life that we find and the fruit we bear is not only living a richer life with God, but also becoming more generous to others, reaching out to them with love and joy. Sometimes people mistake dying to self for death of self. But self-denial is not self-rejection. God treasures your divinely created self. He doesn't want to obliterate the part of you that makes you uniquely you. God works within you and reshapes you into the person you're renewed in Christ's self is meant to be. Not selfish with what you own. Not concerned only about how circumstances only affect you. To where you're able to prefer your brother. When we die to self, we're no longer obsessed with just self. See, when you are forgotten and neglected and you, don't, and you hurt with the insult... But your heart is happy, that's dying out to self. When your advice is disregarded, your opinions are ridiculed, and you refuse to let anger rise up in your heart and take it all in patience with loving silence, that's dying to self. When you lovingly and patiently bear disorder and irregularity and tardiness and annoyance and endure it as Jesus endured it, that's dying to self. And when you never cared to refer to yourself in a conversation or record your own good works or itch for praise after an accomplishment, when you can truly love to be unknown, that's dying to self. When you see your brother or your sister prosper and can honestly rejoice with them and for them and feel no envy, that's dying to self. When you are content regardless of your social status and your street address, that is dying to self. It was the Apostle Paul who said, I know what it's like to be abased, and I know what it's like to abound. I know what it's like to have and not to have, to be full and to be hungry. For I have learned to be content in whatsoever state I find myself in. When you can take correction, when you can humbly submit inwardly as well as outwardly, with no rebellion or resentment rising up within your heart, that is dying to self. For it is written in 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, Humble thyself unto the mighty hand of God, so that in due time I may exalt you. So we must decrease so he can increase. you got to be even willing to be chastised by the Spirit. You don't want to just be a child of God, just a vessel of God. You want to be a chosen vessel. See, many are called, but few are chosen. Come on, somebody. See, there's a price to pay when you're chosen. Your life's not like everybody else's when you're chosen. You don't always do what everybody else does. You don't always go where everybody else goes. You don't watch everything that everybody else watches. You don't hang out with everybody everybody else is hanging out with. You don't talk like everybody else does. Why? Because you're a peculiar person. You're part of a chosen generation that God has called out of darkness into his marvelous light. When I look back over my life, at the times when I went through all I was going through, 
There was times I thought I was going to die and I wasn't going to make it. I didn't realize back then I was chosen for such a time as this. Anybody else ever been there? Being where I'm at today was the farthest thing from my mind back then. But let me be real. Back then, I was singing songs. I played in a rock and roll band. I was singing songs by ACDC like, I'm on the highway to hell. But little did I know then that someday I'd be singing, I'm on the Lord's highway. Why? Because I was chosen. The fact of the matter, all those times I thought I was dying is I was dying. I was dying daily out to myself, and God was shaping me, and God was molding me. You see, many times your life and your situations are created and designed by the Lord. I had no idea the things I went through back then were all a part of God's plan to get me here. And so it is with you too. Joseph didn't know being despised by his brothers, being sold into slavery, being lied on, being accused of rape, being put into prison, had anything to do with God's plan for his life when he was going through those things. You see, God chose him as a boy. Matter of fact, before he was even formed in his mother's womb, God had a plan for him. According to Jeremiah 1, he does for me and for you too. Joseph at the time didn't understand that God was using those things, those situations in his life to mold him and shape him and deliver him to the place where God could promote him. All those times he must have thought he was dying and he wasn't going to make it. He didn't really realize what was, was really dying. His flesh was dying, and his fleshly desires were dying. He didn't understand at the time, at the young age in his life, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He wasn't just a vessel of God. He was a chosen vessel. And before God could ever take him to a new level, he had to die out to self. And he did, to even the point he could forgive his brothers who almost killed him and sold him into slavery. He realized that everything that he went through, the good and the bad, was all a part of God's plan to prepare him so God could use him. His adversity was even used to benefit him. I want to tell you something. Life and situations are created by God to make sure it puts your flesh to death. Nobody wants to die, especially your flesh. But if you want God to use you, go on ahead and let it die. You see, the spirit and your flesh are at war. And they fight both day and night, day after day. And let me tell you something. Whichever one you feed the most is the one that's going to win the war. If you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap of the spirit. But if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. If you want a closer relationship with God, want to go to the next level, you want to dig a little deeper, you got to starve your flesh. Some of the things you're going through that are making you feel like you're going to die, it's just your flesh, go ahead and let it die. Because sometimes you got to be hurt by things to make sure you ain't going to go back to it. To where you don't want nothing else to do with it. There's things I've been through that have hurt me, and I don't ever want to go through them again. But I do have to admit, they changed me. They changed my understanding. They taught me some lessons. Some of them even made me even stronger and wiser and more tenacious. Hallelujah. (laughs) I just felt somebody receive that. And they got a testimony to validate it as truth. See, there's a many of you who read your Bibles and you study your word. And that took you so far as for you to know the personality of God, to know about God. 
But to go farther and deeper into your relationship with him and to truly get to know God, he's got to reveal himself to you. See, knowing God is not knowing scripture only. Knowing God comes from when you seek him through a personal relationship, one-on-one, until you know the mind of God. Until the prophetic of God comes down upon you. Now, what does that mean? It's when the mind of God is migrating to the mind of man. To where you become in tune with the spirit of God and discerning of his plans. I don't want to just read the Bible. I want to read it until the prophetic anointing comes upon me. To where I can go beyond just scripture and get the revelation of what God is trying to say to me. Because when the revelation shows up, that's not simply for my intellect. That's not simply for my pleasure. The revelation is designed to reconstruct my spirit so my spirit can take control of my mind and lead my flesh into submission under the power of God. To where my spirit, to where my flesh becomes weak, but my spirit is willing. So many times we got it so wrong in how we fight our flesh. So many say, I'm working on being saved, and I'm working on being right. you got to quit wor- working so much on it and start letting God work in you. And when God gets done working in you, it will change what comes out of you. You won't be spewing out hate and gossip and slander and unfruitful propaganda. Because out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he'll bridle your tongue. And you'll speak blessing instead of cursing. Church is called transformation. It's called let this mind be in you that's in Christ. It's called be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So many desire a deeper walk. Then you better start walking by faith. Perhaps you need a new walk. Jacob and his flesh wrestled with God. And when the fight was over, when his flesh finally submitted to the spirit of God, he had a new walk. He didn't walk like he used to. He had a limp. His walk wasn't what it used to be, and neither was his heart. See, God changed him on the inside, and it manifested on the outside. Because whatever is in here is going to come out of here. People say, you, your walk with God's different. You're talking different. You ain't about you no more. You now seem like you're about the kingdom. You know when you're saved. When you're standing right in the face of temptation and you know you want to do it, but there's something on the inside stronger than your flesh says that when you're tempted, God will make a way of escape and you flee at the very presence of evil and your spirit won't let you do it. It's when your conviction is stronger than the addiction. Come on, somebody. I need somebody to testify. You are in this world, but you're not to be of this world or even like this world. And there's too many claiming to be Christians, but you're acting too much like the world for the world to tell the difference. Why? Because you haven't died out to self. You still want to be like them. And God wants you to be like him. I grieve when I see the church on social media fighting like the world. The narcissism and the promoting of oneself and their personal agendas. When it could be a platform for King Jesus. But yet it seems more like it's a platform for King Louis and Queen Latifah. See, when we could be edifying others, we're tearing down others. When we could be sharing the gospel, we're sharing gossip. Why? Our flesh needs to die. The flesh wants to be popular, but the spirit wants to be humble. The flesh wants to rule and reign, but the spirit wants to serve. And the spirit of God is a remedy for the feet of your flesh. Because your body is a temple of God. 
And until you die out to yourself, you're going to keep losing your battles. You're going to keep being hindered. Your ministry is going to keep being constrained. Your promises are going to be keep being delayed. But I pray not anymore after tonight. I pray that tonight will be a night of reckoning for your flesh. There is a transforming spirit here tonight in this place. Now let me take you to the book of Malachi. Chapter 3, verse 1. I want to show you something. God says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way for me, and the Lord you seek. Not the Lord in whom you simply heard about. Not the Lord in whom you simply read about. No, no, no. He said, the one you seek. Well, that's what's causing Sunday services to be so hindered. Because we got those who come in here and have a wonderful experience with the Lord. And then we got some who stand in the same atmosphere, in the same room, and they say, I don't know what they're getting so worked up about. I don't feel nothing. Can I be honest with you and tell you the reason you don't feel nothing and they are is because they are seeking the Lord and his presence. They are beseeching him to show them his glory. They are praising and worshiping him because they know he inhabits their praise. They are pursuing him and they are entering his presence to where in his presence is a fullness of joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. So they are weeping and they are shouting and they're jumping and they're dancing. Why? Because they found him right in here. They're looking for him. They're looking everywhere. They're looking everywhere. They're searching for him. Why? Because they know if they seek him that they'll find him why because he said they would he said they would right here in this passage let's read it he said the Lord you seek will come suddenly to his temple and our bodies are what his temple I can honestly say folks who aren't feeling nothing aren't seeking nothing because he's here but you must seek him while he may be found. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And his spirit can turn that old stony flesh of yours into a heart for God. And a desire to love thy neighbor as thyself. You got to seek him. You got to seek him. You got to seek him. You got to seek him first. I was going to eat breakfast this morning. But I missed it because I was caught up seeking well, I thought you was going to meet me at the movies. I was going to, but I lost track of time because I was seeking. Honey, I thought you were going to call me before you went to bed. I was going to, baby, but I was seeking. I thought you were going to hang out with me like the old times. I was, but I found somebody else to hang out with while I was seeking. Are you seeking God or are you just hoping he stops by every once in a while and visits you? And if he happens to come at the wrong time, you won't answer the door. And I'll leave that right there at that. But you got to seek him. You got to seek him. I just can't let that go for a moment. You got to seek him. Let me ask you would you lift your hands for just a moment? Would you seek him? You got to seek him. You got to seek him. You got to seek his presence. He's here, church. You just got to seek him. 
If you seek him, you'll find him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just read a little more, verse 1. It says, Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. I've been telling you over and over, church, he's coming, and he's coming back soon. Then in verse 2, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. Like a refiner's fire. That's a different kind of a fire. Unlike a natural fire that burns up. But a refiner's fire performs a different task. You see, a refiner's fire is a type of fire that is used on hard metals, on difficult things. It's not the kind of fire you use to burn up paper. It's a refining fire. It's not a wildfire. Like when you get a match and you set paper on fire and it just burns out of control. No, a refiner's fire is hooked up to a gas tank. And depending on how hard the surface is to melt is how much you turn the knob up, causing more pressure to melt the metal, the hard elements. It's how you melt things such as silver and gold. You see, it's a control fire. That's just how God does it in our lives also. He's control of the fire, and he's used it to burn up all of our imperfections. It's a Holy Ghost fire. John said it this way. I indeed baptize you with water, but there comes one after me mightier than I am who assumes I'm not even worthy of the latch that will baptize you with fire. See, when God is purifying you, he's going to go in and out of your life, and he's purging everything that doesn't bring him glory by melting those hard things that are inside of you such as anger and wrath and malice and strife and envy and deceit and addictions and perverseness and self-centeredness. Why? To make you holy so he can use you. Verse 3 also says, He will set as refiner and a purifier of silver. In other words, if you will allow him to, he will set inside of you like a refiner, and by his spirit he will purify you. And as he begins to burn the hard stuff away, the anointing begins to show up. The anointing begins to move into your life. And you begin to find yourself where you used to sit and couldn't move. You begin to feel your feet maybe move when the worship starts. You begin to feel yourself maybe wanting to raise your hand where you wouldn't raise your hand before. Or you begin to feel like maybe I... I think I might just shout hallelujah when you couldn't do it before. Why? Because he's burning up some of them hard things. That flesh has been hindering you from, from the anointing of the Holy Spirit coming into your life and being able to move to you and through you. And things begin to change, and he begins to purify you. He's a purifier. He refines you in a refiner's fire. He purifies you, and it says he's like a launderer's soap. He cleanses you. Remember, he washes you whiter than snow. And verse 3 says, he's a purifier of silver. So what is he doing to the silver? He says he's purifying. And the word purify means to make it clean. Now let's read on, on a moment. Verse 3, he will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. Now we know the Levites are known to be, have a deep heritage of, of priesthood. You have to be purified for priesthood. He makes them clean. But notice in this verse, he adds another step to the process of purification. 
Not only will he purify them, he says he will purge them, which means to clean harshly, to remove things, which means when he starts to purge you, you may get knocked around a little bit. You might get beat up a little bit. You might get your feelings hurt. You might like feel like quitting in the process. Tough love shows up, but he ain't purging you to destroy you. He's purging you to make you come forth as gold to make you even more valuable than you were. He's purging you to remove the imperfections. To purge me means he sticks me in the fire like they do gold, and the fire causes all the impurities to rise to the top. And as they pull that out of the fire and they scrape off all them impurities, they stick it back in the fire again, and they do this over and over until it's purified by the refiner's fire, and it's refined as pure gold. He that has begun a good work in me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Church, he never stops working on us. And some of you are going through some tough times through the fire, and you're wondering, how long must I go through this trial? How long is this season going to last? How many more things can go wrong? How many more times must I go through this? It's going to last until you're purged and purified, until you die out to yourself and you come forth as pure gold to the point you won't talk like you used to. You won't hang out with who you used to. You won't go where you used to, and you won't watch what you used to. Why? Because you will be a God seeker. You'll be a participator instead of a spectator. You'll have dreams, and you'll dream dreams, and you'll see visions as the Spirit of God moves upon you in these last days. I'm going to testify. When God found me, he had his work cut out for him. I was a mess. I was a part of the least likely crowd. I came from the poor side of town. I was ignorant of the things of God. But he called me, and he molded me, and he shaped me, and he purified me, and he purged me, and he's still working on me. But he chose me, and now he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. And I long to go deeper and deeper and I know I still got a long ways to go, but I'm persuaded I can get there if I will follow him and I will deny myself. People have always thought that Malachi 3 is simply a tithe and offerings message. It's true that there is a, a very good message in there on tithes and offerings. It's true it deals with the tithes and offerings and the importance of giving to God. But you've got to take the content of the whole passage and you've got to put this thing together like this. Watch in verse 8. He asks, will a man rob God? But you say, in what way have I robbed you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. You see, when you give tithes and offerings, you get in return God's provisions. God says, try me in this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. Isn't that encouraging? But God is saying a whole lot more than that in this chapter. Because when you put this whole chapter together now and you get purged, and you get purified, and then you give your tithes and offerings, 
you get verse 11 that says what? And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. He talked about purging and purifying before he ever mentioned finances. Because you can give tithes and offerings all day if you want, and you will be blessed with God's provisions. Do you know there are unbelievers who pay tithes and give to the church? But if your heart ain't right and you haven't been purified and purged by God, you won't be a cheerful giver. But when God purges you and purifies you, you won't have no problem giving tithes and offerings because your flesh won't get in the way of your giving. You'll give to God before you'll give to your flesh. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. If you want God to rebuke the devourer for your sake, then you got to die out to self. you got to deny self. And you got to serve God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Because after you've been purified and purged and blessed and learned how to give to the kingdom, then we can go down to verse 17. Go there with me. And let's hear the rest of the promise. And verse 17 says, then they, then they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on that day that I make my jewels. It's talking about his church, folks. I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then, you, then shall you again discern between the righteous and the wicked. The reason the devil is able to get away with his plot against you is you haven't been purged. Therefore, he's able to deceive you. But when you get purged and purified, you will once again be able to discern the spirits and know what is of God and what is not of God. Because once you get purified and you deny yourself and die out to your flesh, you'll once again have the mind of Christ. Because then the Christ that is in you can work through you. Then you'll be able to see a wolf in sheep clothing a mile away. Because you are purged and you are purified, when you are, then your spirit is revived. And when the church gets revived, revival comes forth. And people who go through purification come to realize through discernment, your job ain't your source. Your banker ain't your source. God has been your source all along. And too many have tried to make it on their own, believing they can do it themselves. Because they've been all about self. But I've come to tell you, for those who are chosen, get ready for a purging that will be used to purify you, to be a chosen vessel that God's going to exalt in these last days. God is purging me, and he's been constantly having to put me back in the fire again and again and again because I'm not who he wants me to be just yet. I've still got some imperfections, and I've come to know that there is but one perfect one, and that's Jesus Christ. But I do know that in spite of me, God's going to keep working on me so he can work through me. I just got to be a willing vessel who's willing to deny myself and die to myself so that people can see God through me in spite of me. I am a work in a progress, and if he can find a way to use me, he can use anybody who will deny themselves and follow him. Musicians, if you'll come. Stand with me, if you would, please. Hallelujah. 
How many of you truly want to be anointed and used of God? Answer that question to yourself. To the point that when you walk into Walmart, you ain't got to tell nobody you're saved. They'll know it by your countenance, by your Christ-like attitude. They'll know it by your smile as you walk upright, full of the Holy Ghost and boldness. How about when you walk into the break room at work and it changes the atmosphere in the room? If that's what you're wanting, then you're going to have to deny yourself. Don't talk about you. Talk about them. Encourage them. Build them up. Lift them up. Help them up. Do you know that you serve God by serving others? Lay hands on the sick. Cast out devils. Speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Walk in the Spirit as not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. I come to tell you, if you say you're ready to go to a deeper level with God, because God's ready to take you there. God's ready to send revival. We just got to get flesh out of the way. That if you really want God to use you, that if you really want to see revival in our land, we got to deny ourselves and follow Christ. And I've come to tell you, the refiner's here. I come to tell you that the purifier's here. And it's time for some breaking. And it's time for some shaking. It's time for some shaping and some molding. Because God says things are going to escalate. That where sin doth abound, much more will my grace abound. And God says, I'm going to begin to do a quick work. I'm in a hurry. As things escalate, so will my anointing. That what used to take 40 days of fasting to bring you out of, I'm going to do it in just a moment in my presence. Time is short. And if my people will humble themselves and pray. Let me ask you an honest question. How long has it been since you laid your flesh on the altar and said, God, here I am. Purify me. If you're ready to deny your flesh and you're ready to die out to yourself, I'm going to ask you to come find a place at this altar and let the refiner have his way. Because I want to tell you something. There's an anointing in this room and it's here for a purpose. Not to just make you feel good but to transform you. So I encourage you to step out of your seat and bring that hard stuff to God and let the fire of the Holy Ghost burn up all those imperfections, those things that are hindering you, those hard things, like maybe perhaps your selfish attitude or your self-centeredness or your stinking pride. This ain't going to be a wildfire. It's going to be a fire controlled by God. So would you come put your flesh on the altar and say, God created me a clean heart and clean hands? You've got to believe, God, if you can use anything, you can use me, God. Come tell God, I'm ready to go to another step. I'm ready to go deeper than I've ever been. I'm ready to go higher. I'm ready to get closer than I've ever been. I'm telling my troubles goodbye. And I'm going to let my flesh die. So, God, that you can take me higher than I've ever been before. Would you come to this altar and find you a place to pray? And I'm going to ask for some prayer warriors as these people are praying. Those of you who feel led to pray for them, I want you to lay hands on them and pray for them. Because they're laying their hearts on the altars. And God says, I'm going to do something tonight in the hearts of these people. These people that are at this altar are chosen vessels and God's going to take them farther. They have a desire in their heart to go farther than they've ever been for the kingdom of God. In this hour, we need some chosen vessels. Some people said that, send me, Lord. 
Make me ready, God. Make me ready. Use me. Go ahead, guys.